and welcome to Glitch Please. This is our 21st episode, which means we're legally of age. Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> uh, I'm Ashley. I'm Adam. And I'm Alfredo. So basically, this is the AAA team. We should probably start adding microtransactions. I hear that's the way the, no. the, nice. the industry is headed. Good one. Uh, well, cosmetic. <laughs> Just cosmetic. As long as it's cosmetic. No, we're going to do fully functional <laughs> ones because this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. And we'll be talking about them a little bit later. Um, but there's a couple of different things we'll cover. We're starting to get into the really heavy games period of the year. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, South Park, The Fractured Butthole, mm -hmm. uh, and Shadow of War both this week. Gus couldn't make it. I wanted him to talk about Shadow of War because he was really into Shadow of Mordor. But... That's so surprising to me, but we'll talk he, about it. He why. was in that. <laughs> it's super surprising to me. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get into it. Um, uh, and then we'll also talk about some current events because there was some crazy stuff happening this week. Uh, so should we just get straight into that? Actually, dive. before we do, no. Before we dive. Okay. Before okay. we dive. I'm because pulling we back are on the dive there. Pulling back. Pulling back. Put on your like little literal swimmers. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you guys been playing besides Shadow of War South Park? Those have been my big ones, to that's, be honest. That's about um, it? I play a little more Cuphead. I really want to finish that game. How far are you in Cuphead now? I'm in the third world. I, so I completed the second island, and then I've been playing so many other things that I'm like, you know what? Today, I choose to love myself. I'm mm. not going to play Cuphead. It's so, like, <laughs> it's so well made. I, 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 it's I need to get more. It's a fantastic game. Um, I definitely played more Golf Story and more Stardew. Um, I didn't play a lot more Stardew. I need to play. I need to really get into it. I know you're, you're probably like down that rabbit hole like oh, crazy. Oh, so deep in that. Um, those are probably mm, my main games. I played. I played a little more Evil Within too. That game. I think I'm, that game sucks. Do, you're not into it. No, I, I played more of it. Like the shooting is so bad. It's not like, that good of a game. And I'm like not. I'm not like a scary game person because I hate scary games and I get too scared. But even that game, like I was able to play at least some of it. And I'm like, this is. For people that like horror games, like this must not be scary even a little bit. Like, oh, from the people that I've spoken <clears throat> to who do like horror games, and I do have to consult with them because I'm not a horror game person. Yeah. They're like, it's it's very cool. They like the you know the open world um, elements, like the town, and actually being able to like go and uh, and like interact with all that stuff and like branch out a little bit more. That it's a little bit less linear, and there's a lot of good things to it. But it's very difficult for me to judge because I spend the whole time <laughs> hiding yeah. and not really, not particularly enjoying myself because that's not what I play games yeah. for. I think it's the definition. The Evil Within Two is a definition of an okay game. Like that, compared to the first one, you get the open world aspects, um, but you lose the horror. Uh, it, the first one was way more scary. You feel when you're in felt, the open world, there's, yeah. it's not scary. When you go into the tight areas, like you, then you get you feel confined you get, like, spooky, and and you feel cornered. Well, the 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 town, the open area, Union is. It's more just sort of generally creepy, right? That there'll be like a house and you'll see a body suddenly like dragged out the front door, and so there's like a couple like creepy elements, but it's not where the scares are designed to happen right. so much. I think the the where the horror came from wasn't like like I said in the first one where you didn't have that much space to maneuver around and fighting wasn't really an option because of the lack of ammo and in these battles they're very more action oriented in my opinion and on top of that the ending kind of just fell apart for me completely. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, so I was like, ooh. I don't oh, did know. you actually beat it? I actually beat it. That's why that's why I can't for me personally, I can't say it's a terrible game because I still wanted to finish it but it's like it's a definition of an okay game I was well, like I couldn't really recommend it to anybody 
I had a good time playing it. I'll never revisit it again. I don't know, really know if I'll play an Evil Within 3 at this point. It's a, offered to me. it's a difficult time of year to be an okay game. It really is. Yeah, especially with this. Next week so is going to be like, much. There's so you have much to, to like, do. start scheduling game time because there's so many different games coming out. Next week, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, I actually, um, I think I'm going to have to miss next week's episode because I'm flying down to PAX Australia. No. And I'm like, how can I miss that episode? We're going to, everything happens next week. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to like, we'll see. Maybe I'll Are you be back in, time in or something. The following episode to talk about Mario. Oh boy. I hope so. All right. I need to actually look at what my travel schedule is because I know that I'm going down and it's, uh, you know, it's through like the 30th. I'm missing Halloween, which is a huge bummer. So fingers crossed, because I, I want to talk about all those things. If I have to Skype in, I'll do it. Because most of the most of the big releases don't come out till Friday, which is after this would be recorded next Which week. is tricky, right. Right. Huh. I also spent a few hours over the weekend this is like the lamest thing in the world. I spent a few hours playing a solo board game. Like, I, I say a few hours. I spent probably eight hours playing a solo board game. Uh, like, over the course of the weekend. And it's did called, you enjoy it? Yes. I'm still learning it. It's like okay. the most complicated game. I, tw- I tweeted a picture of it. But it basically would take up this whole table just in setup. It took me like 45 minutes to set the thing up. It's called Mage Knight. I don't know if I like it yet. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that little snippet <laughs> review. Like, all right. It's all right. It's think, a little teaser. Teaser. I had D&D last night. Oh yeah? Yeah. This I've is like my never first ever played D and D. You never? I've never played it's, it. It's it's fun. I'm starting to learn I think it's like my sixth session. I'm starting to learn that like instead of playing a game where you just control where you go, it's more like, oh, I wanna go do this and I wanna move this way and I wanna grab that and I wanna So it's like you have to be very vocal and imaginative. Uh, which it's it's fun. I suck at I can't roll like dice at all. Like I roll That's, dice, I get like. Don't they have cool rollers that you can get? I roll the dice like it's, literally. It's we've played luck. Just it's the worst luck. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I've we've I've used like two different sites, and I've used like two different sets of dice with like our group, and we've had like seven sessions. My average is like two. Like literally, no lie, my average is like two. That's, Maybe you need to go get your dice blessed or something. Pros- possibly. In, in, At this point, it's like mathematically impossible Or take them to, roll to, that take them to a priest and see if they can exercise the demons within. I know. A, a lot of like in, in the board game scene, a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people don't like dice-based game because of that. Because of like the just RNG. Like, sometimes yeah. you can just get fucked and you have no control over what you're doing. I've only played D&D once and I think I was really bad at it. <sighs> yeah. Seems like it'd be fun though. As long as my RNG stays good in games like Destiny, then I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> so you've been playing a bunch of that too, though, right? Destiny. Uh, I stopped completely after we were done making content for Achievement Hunter because Just, like, yeah, they, out they the put PC you off with those guys. How was that? Those guys put you off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was put in it, in it, and oh my god, there's the fourth part of our raid video comes out, and uh, I blew up. That was like my first blow up. Like in a video, really. I mean, have you really joined Achievement Hunter until, until like, no, they, yeah, like break you? Oh no, I no, I was broken. I was a broken, was shattered it, was it man. True anger. It was. Ooh, Did it you guys was, have to have like a reconciliation afterwards. There, there was a small reconciliation, but it was more as <laughs> Achievement Hunter. So I was just like, ah, yeah, well, you know, this happens. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. What have you been playing, Ashley? Oh, mostly Stardew. All right. To be honest, um, and South Park, but I. Uh, so I went to RTX Australia, or pff, RTX Australia. I went to RTX London, <laughs> which is different than PAX Australia, uh, uh, over the weekend. And can I just say that the Switch is the most phenomenal console to have on a plane? Yes. Yeah. It was I wonderful. I don't have one, dude. And I can definitely see that. I 
like I, I have my travel pack, which goes with me everywhere, which consists of my big battery pack, mm-hmm. uh, which also comes in handy for like charging phones and stuff whenever I happen to need it. But I've got that, and I've got my USB-C cables, and I've got a wall plug. Uh, and so between like all those things and it breaks down into like a nice little carrying case, I have whatever I need. So I can, if I don't have a plug, great, battery. If I do have a plug and on a plane, these days, if an international flight, you generally have one. Mm-hmm. I played like eight out of 10 hours on the plane was Stardew. And it was incredible. It that, like, that's a it's miserable. A perfect, it's a perfect game for that, that though. Miserable, so like, you can just do so that right much. now, and you're just like, I just want to play the one I've already played a lot. I uh, yes, and <laughs> it's, it's good. The, yeah, no, the no kidding. extent of my friendship with Gavin consists of texting back and forth about our farms. We talk about nothing else. That's it. We talk about our farms, and uh, I'm having a really, really lovely time doing exactly what I did last time nice. I played the game. And uh, it's, there are so many people who don't understand the appeal of it, which is totally fine. Like Miles, I mean, it's for a, example, it is a game does not work. see how that's fun. And I'm like, it's, it depends what you want out of games. If you, if you want like the adrenaline and like the intensity, it's not going to do that for no. you. It is not a game for a monster. I mean, there's some intensity with getting those, you know, getting that relationship on with somebody else in that game. <laughs> That slow burn. It, it is very like you're doing busy work, but if you like that sort of busy work, it's fun. Yeah, I think of it as just like very chilled out. It, like it it's is. way that I just I I kick back, I chill out, and I can play it for hours at a time, and it's my zen. So I did a whole bunch of that, and I've got Golf Story waiting right in the wings. There. But then I've also got a ton of other is stuff. There a bug in there. Wings. Bug fell in. No, Adam, <laughs> a bug fell in your drink. Fine, I'll drink it anyway. No, I will not. It's protein. <laughs> Get that protein. Um, so that's what, what I was playing. It's besides South Park. So did you did you, did you, play, you play a little more Golf Story? I uh, started it. Oh, you started it. Okay. But I'm not great with um, multitasking different games. Man, so it's, that, it's that game, I was playing that. I was playing Stardew and uh, SteamWorld Dig, and I was bouncing back and forth between them like every 45 minutes. <laughs> And it got really confusing because, like, a guy in golf store was like, I need a red bandana. And then I was playing uh, SteamWorld, and I saw, like, behind a wall was a red bandana. I'm like, there's the thing I've been looking for. This is a different game. <laughs> just, just see if you can transfer it across. Right. Um, yeah, so it's been a good week. But n- next week it starts to get really crazy. We have uh, Destiny 2 is going to hit PC next week. Uh, then we also have Assassin's Creed Origins on the 27th. We have uh, Super Mario Odyssey on the 27th. We have Wolfenstein 2 on the 27th. And Stranger Things. And Stranger Things also, Season 2, which yeah, may not be amazing. a game, but re- you know what? We're going to count it regardless because, boy, oh boy. Yeah. I'm excited about that. We're making a Stranger Things game, I think. Are they? I think, I think they I think are, it might yeah. Be a, I think it might be a board game, but I could be wrong. Oh, okay. It's something to do with Ego is making it, like the waffle people. We'll see. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Look, you know what? what? I, I I can I can raise Waffles my eyebrows all I like, but the Dorito game on Xbox 360 was good. So. <laughs> what was the Burger King one for Xbox? Oh gosh. That was or, the, the one where you sneak around. Is Sneak yeah, King? Sneak King. King. There you yeah. go. Oh man. <laughs> all those brand tie-ins. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> good times. All right. Well, should we get to some of the current events that have happened this yes. week? Let's talk about the news. Okay, a couple headlines this week. First of all, Nintendo Switch had an update that added a couple of things that are very, very welcome. Uh, Activision has patented some crazy 
shit about microtransactions and loot boxes. Uh, and EA has shuttered Visceral Games, uh, and they are shifting the Star Wars project uh, to a studio known for sports titles. So there for are sports titles, nice. Yeah. So there are a couple things to dig into. First of all, let's talk about the Nintendo Switch update because I want to. Uh, so the the four it's like a 4.0.0.0 update hit overnight um, and added some things that frankly should have been in the on the console when it launched. Uh, but here I'll uh, go down the list just very very quickly. Um, you can capture video on select games uh, just natively. That's great. Um, they've added new icons. Yes, oh, very okay. exciting from Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey. You can be a dinosaur now if you like. Okay. Into it, feeling it, yeah. It's whatever. Uh, but the big thing, you can transfer your user and save data between systems. I don't know how I missed that. That's a really big deal. That's a really <laughs> big deal because up to this point, the most one of the most frustrating elements of the Switch has been there's no way to move your stuff. So if you uh, were to, like, if, let's say you were sharing with family members and now you got your own Switch. Well, guess what? Everything you had to start over, like you couldn't take your save games, you couldn't take anything. So That's you would, you could get your Nintendo account on the new Switch, and you'd be able to download the games and everything after you deleted them from the first Switch. But your save games and everything were stuck. So they finally added the ability to transfer your stuff. Is it is it one of those like you have to have the old system to transfer to the new system? Is is there a way to like back it up? Like if I have my Legend of Zelda file and I don't. You know, I, I just want to back it up to have it in a safe place. Like, is there a way to then take that from, like, a, a flash drive or something like that? Obviously, it doesn't have... I mean, there's a USB port on the dock. Right. So, uh, let's see. What you have to do is... So, everything has to be... Like, all both systems have to be using this newest update. Um, and you have to have a Nintendo account linked to the user account you want to transfer. Like, if it's just a local profile, then right. it doesn't transfer. It has to be a Nintendo account. <coughs> um the there has to be room on the target console so uh, each switch can have up to eight profiles so you can't have more than seven on the system you're transferring to which makes sense um, and then you have to have enough free space and then let's see what you do transfer just from the diagram it looks like it is something that you would it looks like it's local yeah, yeah okay. it looks like it's local wireless okay I mean that that solves part of the problem at least you can transfer your save data it, it doesn't solve the problem of like I want to back this stuff up to the cloud or something like that just to have it in safekeeping. But that's okay. I mean, it's, it's a start. I mean, it should have been there from the start, like you're, like you're saying. I have yeah. here, uh, both a source console and a target console are required to transfer user information and save data. So it doesn't look like there's any kind of intermediary yeah. like, device yeah. you can add in there. Yeah, it looks like it's just local wireless, like the really similar system to what they use for like a local Mario Kart or what sure. have you. Uh, oh, speaking of which, you know, I actually at uh, at Artex London, I set up like a Mario Kart, I saw like impromptu Mario that Kart. Picture, yeah. Good fun. Do Nintendo though needs to sort out their local uh, their local gameplay? Yeah. Because there was we could not get a single race where. One or more, one or more people didn't get dropped. Yeah, we we had that problem when we were doing. And that we're the first in thing. a circle. Yep. We're all very close together, so they need to sort that out. But baby steps in the right direction. Very happy to have, at the very least, some sort of transfer. It'll be, you know, there are additional things that I'm still waiting for. Like, uh, it would be nice to be able to connect Bluetooth headphones to the system. Vita's been doing it for years. Don't tell me the Switch can't do it. <laughs> it is capable. Um, okay, and then let's see. Done. 
Um, they also um, added the ability to pre-purchase games on the Nintendo eShop. Up to this point, it's been coming soon, but you couldn't buy it until uh, it actually released. Does that include a preload? Because if not, there's no real point. That does include preload. Okay. Oh, okay. Preloads are everything nowadays. Preloads are just very, very helpful. Yeah. One for, for spreading out the load on new game releases because you get, if you can preload a game, the bandwidth load. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, the, on systems, because if everyone is trying to tackle the servers at the exact same time to get the yeah. games downloaded, it's always very, very frustrating to be super excited to be there when it's ready to unlock and then be stuck downloading at a trickle because everyone is doing the exact same thing. Yeah. So preloading is fantastic. If you're a content creator, streamer, you just you want to immediately play that when yep. everyone else is playing it right away. Exactly. Because time, you know, everything is time sensitive nowadays with content. So. Yeah. So that's all really good stuff. And then there's smaller things too. They updated their news channel. Um, you can um, match your software versions with local users, which may help honestly with things like the connections between players for co-op and such potentially. Um, but. Uh, that smaller stuff. The big thing is definitely the headline of finally transferring stuff, yay! Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, further in news, Activision's new patent. Have you heard about this yet? No. No. Okay. So in 2015, I'm scared, though. Activision filed for a patent, uh, and um, October 17th of this year, that patent was granted. The patent is for a system and method for driving microtransactions in multiplayer video games. You're going to love this. For example, and these are, these are uh, quotes from the patent itself for examples of like implementations for mm. this system. Oh, no. <clears throat> for example, in one implementation, the system may include a microtransaction engine that arranges matches to influence game-related purchases. For instance, the microtransaction engine may match a more expert or marquee player with a junior player to encourage the junior player to make game-related purchases of items possessed or used by the marquee player. A junior player may wish to emulate the marquee player by obtaining weapons or other items used by the marquee player. I did hear about this. I heard about it in oh. relation to Star Wars Battlefront. Mm -hmm. like you're gonna have like a bunch of people with sweet fucking like skins match with a bunch of schlebs who didn't want to spend any money on the game, and then those schlebs are gonna become kings by buying stuff. Well, the good news with so it being lame. Battlefront uh, is that that's an EA title. Activision now owns this patent, so if we want to look on a bright side, Wait, a so silver does lining. Negate, does that negate what they're doing with Battlefront? I had definitely heard that in relation to Battlefront too. Well, it depends if Activision wants to go after EA for infringing on their new patent. Huh. Mm. Uh, but that's not all. In particular, any particular example, the junior player may wish to become an expert sniper in a game, like as determined by their player profile. The microtransaction engine may match the junior player with a player that's a highly skilled sniper in the game. In this manner, the junior player may be encouraged to make game-related purchases, such as a rifle or other item used by the marquee player. And then so they've now they've dropped all that that sweet dough on their new sniper rifle or whatever. Well. For example, if the player purchased a particular weapon, the microtransaction engine may match the player in a gameplay session in which the particular weapon is highly effective, giving the player an impression that the particular weapon was a good purchase. Holy Wait, purchased a weapon? This yeah, like, may like, encourage the player to make future purchases to achieve similar gameplay results. Yikes. Wait, like Holy purchase an actual yikes. weapon is not a cosmetic, like it's an actual weapon? Well, that's, 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 this is an example. These are examples. But these are these. They're trying to encourage people to 
they're trying to say, like, we're going to give you an, not only an advantage, but then we're going to match you against people that have a disadvantage to make so you feel So that you like feel badass. really cool. And then, but then the person on the other side of that exchange becomes the junior player was, getting trampled. If I was ever So the they want to buy what you've got. Well, I'm, thing- I'm someone who spends money on microtransactions sometimes. And if I was ever that other person, I'd fucking shelve that game forever. Or I would go trade it in because I'd never do that. But just as like a, a stamp, I'd be like, fuck this game. Getting rid of it. It, like, ruins just the whole ecosystem of, like, loot. You know what I mean? Like, in Destiny, if you're working for the loot as opposed to just being able to buy the loot or just... And also, at the same time, if you're a certain player of a certain caliber and it's matchmaking... First off, already shitty in just a ton of games. Um, But if you're a certain player of a certain caliber, like, what if you're doing trials, they have a good sniper rifle and they match you... I, mean, I don't know, not necessarily trials because you have to go in with the team, but you're playing a multiplayer game or it's like ranked or something. You have a good weapon and then they put you in with someone who they're trying to show the new loot to and they're that's just the, that's the point. not up to the caliber. Like, how do you balance that you along with th- balancing this the is ranks? This rid of balance, then, dude. This basically, <sighs> it basically throws the even playing field out the window. I've never boycotted like a developer or games really. But if this started to become, if this like prevailed and, and became like a commonplace thing in Activision games, like I'd have to just stop playing them because like you have to vote with your wallet. That is absolute nonsense. Well, it's- a couple of in- important notes. Um, Activision has released a statement saying that this was uh, an exploratory. Let's see if I can find that. Um, uh, it's an it's an exploratory. Yeah. A patent filed by their R&D department, um, and it is not currently implemented in any games. So they did release that statement, but. They also don't have to disclose if they make changes to implement it in future games. And they have some very big titles where that could come into play. Uh, Let's keep in mind that they do own Blizzard. And that means the Overwatches of the world. Uh, that means the they've got the Call of Duties of the world. They've got the Destinies of the world. Now, Destiny, um, Deej, the community manager for uh, Bungie, came straight out and said, not in Destiny 2. Okay. So there are already developers associated with Activision, like doing their best to distance themselves from this patent. But the trouble is they have the patent. Like this is a thing that they clearly researched and designed and thought, this sounds like the best idea. Yeah. Let's like let's secure the patent on it. Uh, and they also don't have to disclose because there's no regulation of any kind if and when they do decide to implement it in any current or future titles. It's just unfortunate uh, because, like, it's like Activision peeking through that door, and then now other developers are also going to take a little peek, and mm-hmm. and they should just stay shut. Like, well, and completely. it also it also erodes any sort of trust you have with your gameplay systems because knowing that this is there, knowing that they actively researched and patented something like this, means that you will always have to wonder when you're playing a game if this system is in play. I almost wonder if publishers already realize that this isn't a sustainable, ongoing thing, and so they're trying to get what they can out of it while they can. What's unfortunate, too, is I believe I read an article within the last month about like Activision making an insane amount of money off of in-game purchases. Oh, insane amount. Yeah, and it's just like, well, you're making, I get it, like money makes more go around and everything, but like you're already making so much money I just can't see because the people who are going to spend money on those microtransactions are the people who have played so many hours, right? And then I get it, you're, you're, you're trying to like lure these new players in, but new players 
I don't know. Like, new players should be playing with new players, and that's how the way matchmaking systems should work. You should be matched up on your level or your ELO or your skill set, not, not mix up the bag like that. Well, it's also tricky because, um, you know, you, you have these gameplay systems that rely on whales. They are designed to inconvenience the majority in order to profit off the minority, if that makes sense. Like, there are, you know, let's say, let's say 20% of people who play the game decide to spend on microtransactions. Whether that's loot boxes, whether it ends up being directly purchasing guns, whatever it is. There, there are a lot of people who will say, it, just don't buy the microtransactions. And most people won't. But that minority will spend so much that it more than makes up for it. Uh, and, and that's why publishers and, um, you know, and anyone who implements these sort of systems continue to do it. Because you don't, like, most people can boycott microtransactions. Most people can refuse to have anything to do with them. But those people who don't give a shit will still justify the implementation of those mechanics. Even if it's just a tiny minority. Hmm. As long as it stays cosmetic, it, it can't go past being cosmetic. I mean, there are already microtransactions that are not cosmetic. There's a bug here. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, for example, with Battlefront 2, they, there are, um, you can get the star cards. The different and there are cards, yeah. there are different star cards that you can get in the, in the loot boxes, which you can purchase with real money, that do affect the actual gameplay. It may not be to an enormous degree. Some of them are, some of them won't be huge, but the, the point is that they're no longer just cosmetic. Which is unfortunate, and it's, I don't know, it's it's sad that already I'm sitting here, it's like, okay, it's not just cosmetic, fine, like, I shouldn't agree with that, you know, and on top of that, I'm like, well, this is Battlefront, it's more of a casual shooter, it's not like there's a rank system or anything like that, fine, and then it's like, where do I draw the line in my mind, and now it's just like, I'm just in, ugh, it's it sucks. Very I'm confused. It's a slippery slope. Like, they get you used to cosmetic ones. And you're yeah. like, now you're used to it. Now that's just a normal part of, of the sort of gaming environment and ecosystem is, like, there are microtransactions, but it's cosmetic, so it's fine. And then it's, that's the, the worry with any kind of system like that is just very gradually implementing these elements that are, they're not pay to win. They're just pay for... Little, like, like, even a 1% edge, a 5% mm. edge, whatever it is, uh, to get used to that, and then it continues to tumble. That's one of the real concerns. Yeah. So, huh. that's, yeah, I'm, that's I'm scary. a bit worried about uh, where that's going. Um, but it's not the only sad news this week, because also EA has shuttered Visceral Games. <laughs> And the Star Wars project they were working on, that's the one that was being headed by Amy Hennig, uh, who previously uh, worked on the Uncharted titles. And, um, God, they had so many just huge talent. Uh, Kim Swift was, uh, had gone to Visceral to work on it. So she had worked on, uh, on or Kim had worked on Portal. Um, and there was uh, Jade Raymond was, uh, was GM for Visceral, also helping to work on it, although she also runs Motive. So... That studio is now being shut down. The Star Wars project is being completely reworked and moved to EA Vancouver, which is a studio primarily known for working on like the NHL games, and they've done some stuff on like FIFA and NBA and a whole bunch of stuff like that. They're but pivot okay. this into a hotball game. <laughs> <laughs> well, specifically, they're pivoting Star Wars to ball. games as a service. 
Cool, man. So the uh, Patrick Soderlund this week released a statement making the announcement and said, um, our Visceral Studio has been developing an action-adventure title set in the Star Wars universe. In its current form, it was shaping up to be a story-based linear adventure game. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound terrible? Mm. Just awful. Yeah. Almost That's... like uh, what you would expect if you were to hire the director of Uncharted. Maybe. <sighs> Um, and apparently that's not the direction they want to go. It says, it has become clear that to deliver an experience, players will want to, this is important, come back to and enjoy for a long time to come. We needed to pivot the design. Yeah, we're going to have trouble selling microtransactions on games that are single player, so yeah. having the multiplayer <laughs> really makes it easier. Yeah. Um, so the game's now been delayed. They said, while we had originally expected this game to launch late in our fiscal year 2019, we're now looking at a new time frame we'll announce in the future. So... The game has no window, nothing. Oof. It's been, it's being basically torn down and rebuilt. There was an email that they sent to staff that uh, said, we'll use much of the work that has been, been done to date by Visceral. The assets of Ragtag that have already been built will be the foundation of this new game. So The assets. Ragtag being the... Ragtag, the project name. Yeah. So models, maybe? Sweet textures. Textures, man. Um, assets, assets, to be But honest. it sounds like whatever that game was is now dead. Yeah. That was a huge bummer for mm-hmm. everyone on that team and for anyone that wanted to see a story-based Star Wars game. Or anyone who wanted to see any featured Dead Space titles. I was just about to say, yeah, for me, I was more so just waiting that one E3, they just sneak in. You, I know, feel, you see Visceral on the screen, it's like, oh shit, maybe some Dead Space. Dead Space 3 went kind of awry. But th- th- I saw, it was like I Michael saw, Bay. I saw a post that awry. said, Dead Space 2 cost so much $60 action. million dollars to make, and they sold 4 million copies, and yet they didn't make money on it. Because of marketing. Because they of said marketing. It was a, They said it was a marketing spend thing. That's, yes. It's crazy. So uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty sad day for everyone involved, everyone who was looking forward to this title. Um, it sounds very much like a vote of no confidence on EA's part for single-player linear narratives. So on, on a... Like, do you, if, if aside from the st- a studio being shut down and the game being shut down, would you want to play a, a, an MMO light Destiny-ish Star Wars game? I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I wouldn't be against it. Um, I right. like the idea of maybe not even Destiny 2-ish, but if I was to look at something that is an open-world single-player experience, something that's more like a Skyrim or a Fallout, but something that's set in a... Uh, in a in the Star Wars universe, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, I would be lying if I said I, I like I'm not I wouldn't I'm not excited about the idea of another Star Wars MMO light. Uh, but I also like wouldn't I don't want a studio to shut down to make that like especially when they're make, already making uh, a, a Star Wars single player game, which would probably have been incredible. I guess I just don't understand why they have to be mutually exclusive. They, they, I feel like you can have a single player linear narrative game and over on over here and you can have this open world experience if you want to have both of I mean, them. They haven't been mutually exclusive in the past. Like we've had both. Right. We've had Star Wars MMOs and Star Wars single player games. Uh, they they have the license for as far as we know until twenty twenty three for all Star Wars titles. So, you know, they they would have time to have put this game out and also work on another one if they wanted to, but it sounds it sounds tricky. Now, the, what they're not saying and what they wouldn't say probably is maybe the game just wasn't shaping up well. Yeah. 
Um, they don't want to say like, oh, this thing was just a whole hot mess. Yeah, we don't know can, what's happening behind closed doors. Right, but what they say publicly sounds like they have no interest in these these linear experiences anymore because they can't keep people coming back again and again and again. Yeah. And that's where they see the industry going. Make it up to me by uh, giving me a Star Wars pod racing game. I'd be all about that. I What's love, wrong with I you? I love pod racing. What's wrong with you, Alfred? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Pod racer was incredible. <laughs> My bar is just getting set real low now. I have no faith. Did you, uh, did you not like the pod racing games? The I pod mean, racing sure. Games? Yeah. It was awesome. It was there was also great. one in, in the arcade where you got to sit Yeah, you get to sit there and just like... And then the, you pod might overheat cool, too and it's like, shit. You get the pod and that's yeah. pretty sweet. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm well, pretty bummed They're great. that. Well, I hope, I hope all those developers, like, find a new home that's going to be good to them. That's the, yeah. It's, yeah, there, there will almost certainly be layoffs of some sort. Uh, EA did say that they're working to uh, shuffle as many developers as possible to other studios and other projects. But that can involve relocation. Yeah. Uh, they still are going to have to go through, like, these application processes and interviews for these other positions at these other studios on these other projects. And while, you know, some of them, many of them will be, end up at EA's other studios, uh, not all of them yeah. will. You know, I think, it's, I think it's too optimistic to hope that no one loses their jobs as a result of this studio closure. Well, one of the, the more incredible things about this industry is that when a studio shuts down, you see post after post of other studios saying like, hey, anyone from Visceral, like, like we have spots for you, yeah. That's, which I do love, because layoffs are very, very common in this industry, and I did see posts from 2K, I saw posts from Sledgehammer. It was really, like, it's nice to see developers reaching out. Yeah. So, so bit of a bit of a low point for, for news this week, some unfortunate yeah, stuff Yeah, some happening. grim news. Yeah. Um, and if you have any thoughts on uh, everything that's happening in video games, if you need a place to put your thoughts, well, consider a website. This episode of Glitch Please is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a domain, website, online store, whatever it is, make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace offers beautiful, award-winning designer templates. You can create a beautiful website or online store with an award-winning template. And it's all got an all-in-one platform. There's nothing to install, patch, upgrade, ever all taken care of. Now they've made it easy to set up or transfer your domain on Squarespace. Instead of working with multiple vendors to maintain your online presence, you're able to manage all of your domain and billing settings with Squarespace and take advantage of their easy to use DNS interface. It's never been easier to sell products or services online and Squarespace allows you to manage your products, orders and inventory easily. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Go to squarespace.com slash glitch please to get 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com slash glitch please for 10% off your first purchase. It's good to have like your own website and your own like corner of the internet. Alfredo, did I ever tell you how I got into my first E3? No. I made a website. Oh. And I, then you're like... I made a website and, like and did, did like game news and stuff and... That and then I that was my credentials to get in. Also managed to get a couple of my no good friends in. That'd be like I'd be like you need to like write two things on this because you have to have yeah. Them so that way you have to submit for your of... credentials. Yeah, and that's hey. how we all went to E3. We were rolling in a pack. It was really cool. It was a and I never would have guessed when I was doing that. I was like I was like oh man. I mostly used it as a programming exercise. Mm -hmm. I was teaching myself Perl at the time and like you know and SQL and. Uh, Ended up, now, now look what I do for a living. Oh, wow. I remember my first C3, 
uh, Tim and I went down to LA and it was like a PlayStation event during the week of E3, but you know, outside of the conference. And there was, uh, there was rumors of they might let you win E3. So we went there, we sat like, we were like eight hours in line, went to the event, it was a couple hours. And then they're like, all right, cool, all done. And they came back. I was like, oh, one more thing. You guys are all going to E3. We were like, yes. And they brought us all to the conference and everything. And I was like, that was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. What was your first impression of E3 when you walked in those doors? Oh, I was so excited. There was, I was just like, I get to play all these games early, and I get to. I, I didn't well, care I about. I, I, I didn't care about standing in line though. <laughs> now I'm just like, eh, I'll wait, and there's probably a beta for it somewhere, and. I'm so jaded now. A lot of times I find that um, unless you're going for the specific hands-on experience, which does involve either either appointments made months in advance or lines and all of that hassle, uh, a lot of people, I think, at home get a, almost a better E3 experience yeah. because all of that information is more manageable. And a nice package, too. Yes, yeah. whereas um, when you're at the event, you're walking around and you're seeing stuff, and that's pretty cool. Like, there's there's nothing to replace the, the experience awesome. of, of hands-on and, yes, yeah, seeing just the, the circus of E3. But uh, as, as far as, like, getting actual information about stuff, it's easier to do if you're not there. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, we have a couple of things to talk about that have been shown at recent E3s. First of all, let's talk about South Park. Alright, so the fractured, uh, the fractured but whole, the follow-on to the Stick of Truth, has come out. It's released. Um, I've been playing it. You've been playing it. I'm playing it. You've not got a chance to play I it yet, right? Yet. Okay, so it's um, <laughs> so many games. So it where did you play Stick of Truth? Yes. Okay, so this is a very different gameplay experience from Stick of Truth, mm -hmm. uh, where I would uh, like I would describe Stick of Truth's combat. It's like it was a turn-based RPG, mm -hmm. right? This is more like. Did you play Mario Rabbids? No. Okay, but you know that it's it was sort of like very XCOM-y. It's a very it's like friendly Fire intro Emblem to turn-based. It, it has. This it has, is Fire Emblem Light. It's lanes okay, and, has lanes and grids. Okay, so like Fire yeah. Emblem. Yeah. 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 So it it takes the the kind of map that you would expect in a Fire Emblem game, but Fire Emblem maps are enormous. Oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're you know sprawling like across landscapes. The yeah, this is this is very very tiny, very contained. But it is almost a way to introduce that mechanic in a way that a lot of people won't even realize what sort of game they're necessarily playing, mm. because they're like, "Oh, it's South Park, great." Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tactics-based RPG. So uh, you got your grid. Your different attacks will have like different, basically like patterns of of squares they'll hit on the grid, and then. That, so you have to be moving your whole party around, um, maneuver them, try not to block your own shots, and so on. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It is. I thought it was going to be a fantasy game because I haven't looked at any of the preview material because the last game was a fantasy game, fantasy, medieval fantasy. This is more of like a superhero fantasy. Um, not saying I'm disappointed. I just like wasn't expecting it. They do a fun <laughs> thing at the very beginning of the game too, which is they actually make the transfer from like wizards and fantasy yeah. into superheroes. <laughs> where, where those, they're like, come on. They're just like, we're just like, done playing it. You start the game. Yeah, you, 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 you're the king at first. You're running yeah, through you this like, medieval battlefield. You, you fight a dragon. And then like they're like, where is uh, the wizard? And that's Cartman. Cartman like, shows up in the, his coon outfit. He's like, we have to go play heroes. <laughs> like, whatever. He's <laughs> like, like, you losers, we're not playing this anymore. Now we're playing heroes. Uh, uh, and so and takes off and like now that's <sighs> what you do. 
It's a dude. It's a really fun game. Like I, I spent most of my time just exploring and like solving little mini puzzles mm-hmm. um, and just fighting anyone I could fight because the combat's pretty fun um, and trying to find upgrades. Uh, the game does a smart thing where all of the yellow handles are things you can interact with, so you can immediately know off the bat like if you can walk up to something and and, and touch it. Um, there are secrets to find all over the world. The, the the one thing this game does that is like extremely appreciated is if you are if you see something that you want to get but you don't know how to get to it, if you spend like a couple seconds trying to get to it, it will say you need some you need someone else in your party to help you do this. Like, like you can't you can't do this yet. Uh, like you don't you're not fucking around like trying to find like you're not pixel hunting trying to find something to move to climb on to get the yeah. bag. It'll just say you can't do it yet, which is great. Um, the walking it's a little slow. I wish there was like a run button. Because uh, sometimes walking around, there is a fast travel system eventually, but even that is like pretty spaced out. It comes in pretty early in the game, though. It does. Like, it does. Within the first hour, but you've it's, unlocked fast but travel. But it's spaced out. I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world, but but um, man, that game is funny and like has the South Park humor down to it. It's a fun game. It feels like you're playing. Yeah, I was about to say, so. how does the humor hold up? Yeah, you know, it's weird. It's been a couple of years <laughs> since I watched South Park. Mm-hmm. I say a couple of years. What season are they on now? Not even sure. It's been. Let's just say it's been like eight plus years, probably since Damn, I really? since I regularly watched. Self-care. More than a couple. That's a lot. Yeah, uh, and so c- coming back into it was a little bit of like, oh, right <laughs> for me because I forgot how it's much like crude it's humor, like bathroom like, humor, yeah. and all that. Like your superpowers are like, oh, it's all fart based, and yep. uh, you know, yeah, or like loogies, or some of the yeah, <laughs> you have anal powers and the. Uh, you know the your, the enemies awesome. like the the sixth graders will fill up bags of pee and throw them at you, and the elderly people will fight with colostomy bags and just like you know it's it's disgusting. <laughs> to, to give you an idea of the humor, I went to Mr. Garrison. He's like, okay, well, what what gender are you? And I was like, uh, that was a good impression. Thanks. I was like, I don't know what gender I am, so I put other. And he like called my parents. He's like, do you do you know that your son has no gender? And, <laughs> Uh, and he was like, oh, you do. And then I left the school. And as soon as I left the school, three rednecks rolled up and was like, it's one of those non-genders. Oh, like, my God. That's awesome. Like me with, like, bottles and shit. Yeah, they'll, awesome. I need this game. They, um, that's a clever it's way for them to retcon as true. well. Because in the in Stick of Truth, it's just assumed that you're a boy. Yeah. And at the beginning of this game, they're calling you the king. They're, everything is, like, very, let's say it's a he pronoun. Uh, it's just assumed the exact same thing. And then you sit down with Mr. Garrison to talk, and that's how they retcon. Changes con. everything. So you can be like, "Oh, you're oh you're a girl." We just we we just kind of assumed, uh, yeah. and then calls your parents and is like, "Are you aware that uh, it's a girl?" And, like, and then your parents like, "Yes, yes, yes." And so that's how they sort of get that. I like it. Like it's figure like that a smooth out. Smooth transition into everything that you worked for in the first game into the second game. I really. Yeah. It's nice. It's a game that I want. Like, I've only played. Four or five hours of it, but I can't like I can't stop thinking about it. I want to keep going back and playing it. I haven't found anything really inherently wrong with it. It's mostly just been fun, and it it plays like it's every turn is really funny. Like there's there's constantly dialogue within combat. Every character you run into has something interesting. Uh, there's a weird thing where you're taking selfies with people. Like, yeah, selfies how you like increase your it's your influence your social level. level. Yeah, and you, using a Coonstagram. It's very like on the nose. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you have to. Like, what do you, what do you get out of it though? Like you get a, followers. You literally like uh, your your influence, your levels increase, and you can take selfies with more people. And I think you get some sort of uh, like XP rewards, and eventually you get other rewards. Okay. Yeah, um, and like there are some people who will 
uh, they will refuse to selfie with you until you've got a certain number of followers already. So uh. you sort of, did, you know, have those like that stair stepping. Like you have yeah. to find the the. It's like know, real life. You have to find the kid going through the trash who will take a picture with anyone. <laughs> uh, and then you can get up to like kids who are like, I'm not, they're like, I'm not going to selfie with you until you are more. Yeah, and more then you can get those guys. That's pretty. The that's game pretty has humor funny. in like every nook and cranny. Like I was, the, the, the doors in the game have um, pin pads, but each pin pad is represented by like a, a word. So like the first one you run into, it can be like, go fuck yourself. Like when you push the buttons. Mm-hmm. And eventually you'll find like a somewhere in, uh, nearby you'll find like a phrase that'll that's the phrase like you have the to put. But I, I found another door and I was like, let me see if I can figure this out. Like I was in the church, and it was like a simple one. It was something like Jesus saves or something like that. And it was like that's right. And then like I got a little pop up from Cartman. It was like you're gonna stop fucking cheating. You're gonna fucking play the game. And like it wouldn't open the door. I was like, Are you serious? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> <laughs> so then I found like the actual like I found it in the game. And then I can go and input it. But it's really funny. That game is is hilarious, dude. Damn, um, I gotta pick it up. And there's references throughout, like, to stuff that happens like, in the show, just all yeah. over the place. Yeah, combat, combat-wise, it is like you keep unlocking new friends, like to play with you, which you also will control their moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all play totally differently. And eventually, you'll get a hybrid class, which will uh, you can slot in different classes' moves. Uh, and it's really fun, man. Like the supers are all over the top. I think my favorite one, I think, is Craig's. Where you send out a guinea pig, and he fucks shit up. Oh my god, a <laughs> yeah, war think, uh, pig. I think war guinea pig. Uh, Token gets a huge mech. Yeah. Um, Some of them are way better than others. Yeah, but they're all like I like the way they handle this, which is like it's very clear, it's similar to Stick of Truth, that it's all like imagination, and they've all agreed to play by certain rules. One of the first people that you fight in this in the game is like they just start trying to make up. Their own rules, and the oh. game and the game rules change. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it's kids that are playing. Yeah. you know, pretend, and you always get that fucking kid yep. who yeah. goes like, in oh. and is tries to change everything yep. because they're you not winning. Like, I'm not dead. Yeah, and so We're you know you get now. that. Like, well, no, I have full health again. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> the actual mechanics change as a result of that. You know, to reflect that, like it's everyone's sort of making this up as they go along. But for the most part, everyone's you know agreed on these rules and and. Uh, it's a lot of fun, so I, I enjoy the game. Are, are you gonna try to play through? I think I'm gonna. I think this is a game I'm gonna play through all of it. Yeah, I think I'll finish it. Uh, I think um, <laughs> I want it on Switch so that I can take it. Uh, every with me. I feel like that way about every game. This game is, an, is one that is like, <laughs> like any 2D game I play. I'm like this should be on Switch, especially Cuphead. I was like, I should play this in bed. Yep. Like, uh, but yeah. Uh, everything about this game I like. I want to play more of it. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a whole lot in the way of, of criticisms about the game so far. Uh, you know, it is it's exactly what you expect it to be. I think it's pretty cool that it's a tactics light game because if you know if it's the sort of genre that you would normally find intimidating, you don't worry about it with a game like this. Yeah. It's very straightforward uh, and but still manages to have a lot to do, like a lot of options depending on how you want to play. So um, I quite liked it. I think I will continue yeah. liking it. I'm gonna try to breeze through it because there's so much else coming out in a week. Yeah, yeah gotta finish it this gotta weekend. Gotta find the time. That's that's the big issue here, is finding the time to play all these giant games. Yeah. Um, another giant game that came out, so that's Shadow of War. You both been playing that, I have, so you yes. can tell me all about it, cool? Yeah, yeah. How, cool. Far, how far have you gotten in it? Seven hours. Seven hours? Okay, we're about the same then. Yeah. 
Uh, Middle-earth Shadow of War has come out. This is the sequel to Middle-earth Shadow of Mordor. It's basically a follow-on. You still you play the same character, Talion, uh, who's got an elf inside him, <laughs> Celebrimbor. Uh, and like best name, Celebrimbor. Celebrimbor. Uh, and if you thought this was canon, nope. Yeah, it's like it's like between. It's like is it? Like it's like I think it's between Hobbit um, and when like Lord of the Rings proper starts. But it's all just. But it's it's imagine the Hobbit happened and then but before you get to Lord of the Rings, the whole universe just took a left turn and decided to go off in another direction. Man, it is a fun, fun game. It is a lot like the first game, but if you want a thematic. Like, Lord of the Rings game, holy shit, it's so good. So the thing that set Shadow of Mordor apart from other, <laughs> a lot of other sort of open-world RPG action games coming out at the time was the Nemesis system. Yep. The Nemesis system, you there were specific named enemies, and if you came into combat with them and they survived, they would remember you, and they would go through, continue up their social ranks, yeah. and they would remember you, they would hold a grudge, they get would bear the scars. Like they would get more powerful. Yeah. They would get more powerful. Uh, and then if they managed to kill you, they'd get a promotion because you can absolutely die in the game and, you know, you get resurrected, but they still killed you. So the way it handles that is kind of, like, weird and funky, but that's all all thanks to Celebrimbor. Yeah. And, uh, and that's been refined in Shadow of War. Yeah, I haven't... Like I have, I don't feel like I've gotten far enough to see how it's changed. I know there are armies involved now, but I've only, I'm only seeing the Nemesis system as it is. Um, it, I, it's still, if you didn't like the first game, I don't think you'll like this one. Exactly. Yeah. It, it polishes a lot of things about it, but it's very similar. It is very much like they, th- like the maps are more very, like you immediately are in a map that is completely different than the first game. It is a big city, and it's awesome. And it's all under siege, and there's enemies everywhere and all that. But it is very much like you're shown the map. There are a bajillion icons, and most of the icons are sort of like just a, a box to check off. Like it's they're they're fun to do. Like you kill a captain, or you collect like a, a symbol that will eventually lead you to a door. Uh, but most of it is like checking off boxes. If you're in the mood to like check off boxes and kill orcs, so if you're a collector, right? It's, it's great. It's a great game. As far as like actual missions go, there's no. At least as far as I've seen, there hasn't been any, like, side missions. Aside, like, there's just the story missions that will actually have some structure and, and like, give you objectives. Um, and anything outside that, though. You can just roam around the world doing whatever you there's like. There's a lot of things that derail you. Like, you run into, yeah. like, one of the, the orcs and then an animation will happen. And you want to get into a fight with him or or you just want to go collect different things. So even though I haven't really, like like you were saying... Um, haven't really run into any side missions. You get sidetracked really you, you easily. You get sidetracked. Yeah. But but if you're looking, if like you were really fond of the two towers or like those those PS2 Lord of the Rings games where it would like take you through these giant set pieces, like now you're at a battle of Helm's Deep and you're gonna go through these. Like it's not that way at all. Like there is no structure to the things you're doing. And if you like an unstructured game, it's great. And I I'm sort of back and forth on it. Like I really like everything I'm doing, uh, but at a time I'm like okay. I've been playing in this one map for like five hours. Do I keep killing captains or do I just go on to the next thing and progress the story? So if you were to compare it to like the the positive elements, like if you liked what Skyrim, this would be a good one. If you liked Shadow of Mordor, obviously. I, don't, I wouldn't say even like Skyrim. I think more almost uh, 
fuck, what is the Far Cry E? And, and this, it's definitely obviously there's a lot of comparisons to Assassin's Creed in the way that you climb and, and move around like that. But it has a lot of the Assassin's Creed elements where it's like you have you have boxes like it's a Ubisoft system almost where it's like you have boxes to kill a guy, you have boxes to collect treasure, you have boxes to do X thing that will eventually net you some reward. And, and Shadow of Mordor was also uh, very frequently compared to the Batman Arkham games in that way. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah, combat system-wise. It's very similar. Definitely. You know, I, I like the combat in this game better. Uh, and, and I know it's the same combat system, but I think it's the, the fact that it's very visceral and you're actually killing people. Yeah. And, like... So you're saying Batman's a pussy? Not killing people. Batman's... The, not it's killing a, it's people a different people. combat. Yeah. It's just like, more, like, Batman's more... Gadget based, we get to throw around and do cool gadgets. Here, just like, oh, I'm taking your leg off. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm cutting your arm off. When I'm you, actually going to kill you. When you do like a brutal, like, head chop off move, it's just like so fucking awesome. Like, it feels so right in that world. And um, you get the slow, like, bullet time. It, it well. does slow down a little, little bit. Not like, not, not that slow down, but it's like, it's slow. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. There's, the, I feel, I don't know if. Like, I played a lot of Shadow of Mordor, but it's been so long that I don't remember if the movement is the same. But in this game, the movement feels awesome. Like, it's, I feel so agile. Like, you have, a, you have, right off the bat, you have a sprinting move where you can run at, like, 50 miles an hour for, like, a good, like, 30 seconds. Yep. Um, then pretty soon after that, you get a double jump. And the double jump lets you leap, like, at least 100 feet. Um, that's you, you never that's, take, a, that's never, a very yeah. big jump. Yeah. You never take fall damage, like... If you want to, if you want, that's this is the other thing is like if you're in a tough combat so situation. So it sounds that's designed pretty sandboxy in that way. Very sandboxy. You almost feel like it almost feels like Crackdown, uh, not quite as like that. Yeah, in terms of like you just kind of your movement, you feel invincible. Yeah. If you, but, if you don't want to be in a situation, you just run away from. Yeah. It. it fits in perfectly well because like the the scale of the areas that you're in are pretty large, and the, if you want to break off to go collect certain things, they're pretty far apart. So the movement doesn't feel too overly powerful. In fact, you're just kind of thankful that you're able to get from point A to point B really quickly without, with, with minimal effort. And the nice thing too is just like the different areas are like the five different areas are really different. Like you'll be in the snow area or the swamps and it's just like this nice change of pace here yeah. and there that you can just go and shift between. I do appreciate but, like lots of different biomes. That yeah. first game was like, you had two. It was just like the first two, like 30 hours of the game was like gray. passes and Then you and went into like, that. like light green. This one is like, yeah. I, I love the first area especially because it's like a big city and the second area is sort of like this uh, orcish like, like orcish little villages and things like that that you're sort of raiding. It's a fun game. Um, I, I don't think it's for everyone. I, I definitely don't think if you don't like a non-structured game, it's for you. I do feel like there are times where I wish I could just have, like a, I wish there was just like little missions where I can go on, like it's like the Battle of Helm's Deep. Like I just want a giant like set piece. But the game itself is kind of a set piece, if you treat it that way. Yeah, what was your experience like, Alfredo? Um, I mean, it was just very similar. Being a Lord of the Rings fan, I was just happy to be in the atmosphere, yeah. you know? And then from there, being able to do whatever I want. It was, it's difficult because I've kind of gotten to the point in my life where I, if I'm playing a single player game, I just want it to be very linear. And here I was just like, oh man, I'm going here. Oh, I want to go do, the, do this and then do that. And then yes, I, I started killing war chiefs and I'm just like, whoa, like, do I need to be doing this? And so it's very much unstructured where it's, you sure you can progress through the story, but it's going to pull you in so many different directions. Sometimes it feels like you're getting pulled in directions that have no meaning, like just endlessly killing the, the like different orcs, yeah. um, especially if they're like the 
the first in line yeah. like soldiers. It's just like, what am I killing these guys it for? Takes one shot but kill. I'm running into them, and there's an animation, and it's like, yeah. I gotta kill you. Yeah. So um, I do like the fact that uh, even though there are set pieces in the game where you have to sneak around and things like that. I'm not a very stealth person in video games, so I don't like being forced to do stealth. Um, I like the fact that if I choose to, you know, get down to the nitty-gritty, I can interrogate other orcs, like lower-tier orcs, and get information on, like, the higher-tier orcs and what their strengths and weaknesses are. But that's not necessary, right? I can just go in and then just try brute force or try just throwing things against the wall and seeing, seeing what sticks. So I like that variety. How do you feel about the, the idea of, in this game, building an army? Whereas before, the Nemesis system was used pretty much exclusively to uh, like keep track and like basically weaponize revenge, which mm -hmm. is very, very cool. Like the first game, you, uh, you could also avenge your friends mm -hmm. like, by killing orcs that had killed them, and that was really cool. Uh, and then it would keep track of, of all the different orcs uh, that remembered you and you would have your nemesis. But now you're also going beyond that and you're sort of becoming a leader of orcs. I like the idea of it. It's not presented early. Like I don't, I think I'm like you, I'm like seven, eight hours into the game. Do you game. feel like they should have introduced this mechanic earlier? I mean, seven, eight hours in, you should be to a sort of new if you're, if feature you're new, introduction. If you're new to the point. game, it's, I think it's paced well, but if you've played the game, like everything I'm going through, is very, in terms of what I know, is very similar to the first game. Like, there's not, I haven't, like, I want that yeah. that new stuff already. But. Well, the thing is that we're seven or eight hours in, and it's just his experience for seven or eight hours is different than mine. Because, you, yeah. you know, we don't know how. Yeah, you could spend, you, you could spend have, your whole eight yeah. hours in the first area. Yeah, you could have been just walking around doing a bunch of things. I just got to the beginning of it. I'm very happy that I have that ability to kind of create like a group because remember in the first one I was able to twist the minds of orcs. I was like, well, why don't I just get a whole party of them, like, and then just start taking over? Get your crew. Yeah. So I like the fact that it's expanded. You know, it's it's fun. But if you didn't like the first one, this is just more of that. So do you feel like um, this creating an army, having the additional sort of locations? Do you think that is a good enough? Like, is that a everything you want from an experience for a full second game. Yes. Yeah, I think if you like the first game, this is definitely going to satisfy. The, uh, everything in it feels extremely well-polished, and, like, all of it feels good. The combat feels awesome. Uh, the one complaint I have is in combat, when you're trying to target a specific orc for, like, an execution, sometimes you are trying to fight your nemesis, and you're in, a, you're in like, a, just a mosh pit of other orcs, and you hit your execution. You only have one of them, and it, like, picks the guy to your right instead of the guy right in front of you. And it fucks you. That's my only complaint. But everything else feels great, and this is totally spoilery. And you haven't had, um, so they did, This is the game's taken a bit of flack for having microtransactions. Yes. Um, but have you run into any point at which you feel compelled or encouraged in that direction by the game? Uh, no. I mean, because of the fact that it's, it's a single-player experience, right? I, I feel like I'd be more compelled if someone else is running around with all this awesome gear that they, like, bought through loot boxes or things like that, you know? Or if, like, oh, he's got a cool cosmetic. But since I'm just experiencing this by myself, I just don't know what loot is better and what's not. Right. 
until I get it in my hands. Yeah. So since it's a single player experience, I haven't had issues with it. The game does drive you to the marketplace um, by there are these online vendetta missions where it's like, oh, this orc killed Alfredo, go and avenge him. And you go there and like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you kill the orc and it's like, you got a chest. Why don't you go to the marketplace and open it up, man? And it's like sort of buried in the marketplace. So it's like, you're, oh, here's the marketplace. There's all this other stuff. There's your chest up there. And you open it. It's like, here's two shitty items you won't use. But look at the stuff you can buy. I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, it's a it's a minor annoyance. It is. I, I do hear from almost everyone I've talked to who's played the fourth chapter of this game that um, it drags on uh, in that last chapter. Yeah. That's and the the, the feedback, remedy for that is probably more the feedback that I've heard is that it's it can be like a twenty to fifty hour grind at the end game. <laughs> Uh, which is mitigated largely by just dropping some extra money on loot boxes. Right. Which, and that's for, is that for, because I think I've heard, is it for gear that you can actually It is, drop? you get chests, you get chests of gear. That give you actually like yeah, different I think loot the, I think the ones you buy for gear. real money give you like higher tier gear, yeah. Oh. Yeah, uh, is right. So. Uh, but the game does give you like ample resources to get like, there, every, every area has like a, um, a secret door that you open. Um, and that door will just contain legendary gear for you. And then there are war chiefs that have legendary or epic gear. Like, you do have the means to get that stuff in-game. But apparently it's a grind at the end. Yeah, but still. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a super bummer, yeah. dude. It, it's one of those things where you can't just be like, well, you can't have pay-to-win in multiplayer. But it's okay in single-player. Yeah. You gotta have to have a blanket statement for all games. Yeah, it's yeah. tricky. Yeah, it is. It's tricky. You know, like, I, I understand that a lot of uh, you know, publishers and developers are looking at ways to sort of make up for the fact that they haven't technically increased the price of games in a very long time. Um, you know, it's been in a they, while. Well, I remember so when they moved from Xbox to like Xbox 360 and like PS2 to PS3, uh, the games went from like 50, 50 to 60. 60 yeah. uh, and they haven't really moved from there, but that's also to some degree lip service these days because every single game is going to have like a season pass or have this additional content coming down the line and that's how they make up the difference. So, you know, effectively games are still like 90 bucks uh, and now they're trying to do these microtransactions as well to sort of cover the fact that apparently selling 4 million copies on a $60 million development budget isn't enough to turn a profit technically, although that could also be Hollywood accounting right. depending on how they want to get uh, extra creative with their numbers, but it's uh, it's becoming pretty pervasive when you're having these purchasable loot boxes in single-player games as well. Yeah, so. scary times, and I was hoping we, we wouldn't get to that point where it was more pay-to-win, because mm. I know it, it's just everyone's like, ugh, pay-to-win, but just like if the developers are pushing it, it's like, it's unfortunate because at that point, well, what else, what, what else are we going to do, right? As much as we want to boycott stuff, it's like I'm not going to not play Destiny. Or, I don't know. It's, it puts me under. I'm conflicted with myself. I'm frazzled right now. This yeah. sucks. Did you <laughs> did you put money into Destiny at all? Like for loot boxes? No, I didn't. What, do you think you would? Adam, you're still alone here. Dude, it's like I, I totally recognize that I'm, I'm a sucker, but I, I don't think I will in the PC version, which is probably the primary place I'm going to play. But I was like so hyped in the beginning. I was like, I just want to see if I get an exotic emote or an exotic ship. And I got an exotic ship. I'm like, these suck. And I don't use yeah. them, but... <laughs> no, as long as it's cosmetic, and if it's a like, game like Destiny, I might dump a little bit into it just to get, like, the... Uh, what is it? The exotic, like, skins. Yeah. Um, they, have, they also have, like, armor that looks a little different. 
Yeah, but the armor is, is a, like I said, it's cosmetic. It right? is, where it you, is. You just you, infuse you, it with It doesn't give shit. you, yeah, you infuse it with other stuff. You don't get certain stats. It's not going to give you, like, max light level. It starts off at, like, five or something, and then you just infuse it up. So that's nice, but if if Destiny started going into the, into the way of, like, oh, you could just buy your exotic, it's like, damn, like, what is the point, you know what I mean, yeah. of, the, of the game then, where, where Destiny is based around having that carrot on the end of the stick that you chase, that is the loot, and then if you can buy the loot, it's, I don't know. Yeah, uh, so moving into Destiny next week, what is your like list of games you guys are gonna play, like in what order? Because we got what? You got Destiny, you got Wolfenstein, you got Assassin's Creed, you got Mario. I'm doing Mario first. Mario is, is top of my Mario list, one. Destiny comes first, I'm gonna play it for like two days. I'm, I'm Mario one, Assassin's Creed two, wow. Destiny three, Wolfenstein four, because uh, Destiny, uh, uh, you know, I've played some on console, but uh, the boys have been waiting for the PC version, and so we'll probably all play that together. Can't do that until I'm back from my trip. Okay. So uh, I will be, you know, a couple days behind. I'll be the new running around while everyone's all at 300 light level doing their raids. Uh, but that's the sort of the priorities that, yeah. I'm, that I'm putting on it. I think Mario, Mario's definitely the top of my list, 100%. Like le- like leaps above everything. It's else. Got uh, the the second review has come out. So the edge review came out. That was perfect score. Famitsu. The, the Famitsu review came out. It's a thirty nine out of forty. Still pretty, pretty good. Pretty damn so, good. So far, it's probably a good game. Um, then Destiny's on my list. Like I'm gonna play that somewhere. Like I'm probably gonna play that to fill in gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wolfen, like Wolf, I'm, I don't know about Assassin's Creed at all because I've never liked an Assassin's Creed game. But if they come out and like this is the one. Not even Black Flag. I played some of Black Flag and I love the theme so much and it didn't carry me through the game. Interesting. Um, but if this one comes out and they're like, this is this is the one you should play, like there's fantasy elements, it's fucking awesome, I will definitely give it a shot. Um, then Wolfenstein I'll probably save for a rainy day. Like during Christmas time when it goes on sale or something like that, I'll probably mm-hmm. pick it up then. For me, uh, since Destiny comes out on Tuesday, I want to play Destiny probably like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a little bit on Thursday. Just so I, I want to get to the point where I could just have reset Tuesdays, right? Where it's like, oh, it's Tuesday, everything reset. Let me just go ahead and get my nightfall done. Let me get my raid yeah. done. And cool, I'm done with like Destiny for the rest of the week. Um, it's not your chore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a fun experience, but there's just, uh, there's not much to do except that. You're limited but, in yeah, you're, you're limited. resets. Um, not that Destiny doesn't have a lot of content. It's like a lot of people have been saying that they're like, yeah, he doesn't have enough content. I'm like, you're 40 hours in. Like, how is it? Yeah, not? It, it doesn't have enough content if you blow through it. And yeah, if you blow through it, and like, yeah. I played it for two weeks solid or three weeks solid, and yeah. I didn't run out of content necessarily. Like, yeah. I, I did the raid. I still wasn't max light level or anything like that. Yep. So, so I'll, I'll do that with Destiny. Um, Got to get my Wolfenstein fix. So, and I'm assuming it's gonna be like an eight to 12 hour game. Yeah. So I'll just blow through it over the weekend, and then. My thing with Assassin's Creed is that I played the first one, then I played half the second one, and I was like, oh, yep, I'm good. I don't need any more Assassin's Creed All basically ever. the same, same. Yeah, and so it's been so long, and I know Black Flag was, I heard it was a good return, but I skipped out on that too. Well, the, the trick with Black Flag is that it was a wonderful pirate game. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily the most amazing Assassin's Creed game, but it was a wonderful pirate game that also just happened to be an Assassin's Creed game. Oh, so... With Assassin's Creed, if it gets really good reviews, then I'm like, okay, cool. Because I like I like the the set piece that's in right now. I'm yeah. curious to see what the break has done for it. Yeah, I, I wonder if they're going to... I know they're not, but like I think the thing that might bring me back is if they broke away from that 
it's an Assassin's Creed map where you go to the towers and you fill in the voids and you, you go check off all the boxes. Like, mm-hmm. they changed that up and made things felt more significant. I might go back, but I don't think they're, I like, pretty much know they're not going to do that. Um, the one thing that intrigued me a little bit, aside from the, the setting itself, is the fact that there are, like, giant lizard enemies and, like, stuff that's not necessarily based in reality. Yeah. And I like, I like me some fantastic Well, I like elements. the historical giant crabs. Right. <laughs> fantastic beasts. Yeah. My, also, the issue that I'm kind of conflicted with is uh, having played uh, Mordor and then... Having <laughs> Assassin's Creed, it's very similar. There, yeah, it's just a lot of similar in terms of like, like you were saying, running around, checkboxing, uh, uh, checking off things. Combat's very similar, right? The movement also very similar. It's kind of like, do I need two of those like games right now with like back to back. so many other games yeah. coming out? Yeah. Well, um, one thing that's interesting to note about Origins is that it is being directed by Ashraf Ismail, who did Black Flag. Okay. Mm. So, so it may one of the better ones. Yeah. Um, so you know, it may uh, be a departure from the traditional formula. I haven't really spent hands on time with Origins yet, so um, you know, I can't speak what's, from experience. But uh, you know, I think he does really great work. What's the equivalent? What's the Egyptian equivalent of a sea shanty? Oh, pyramid <laughs> <laughs> song. Something uh, to do with hieroglyphs. <laughs> Uh, we, we shall find out. All right. Way. All right, so that's about it for this episode of Glitch, Please. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode. If you're a Rooster Teeth first member, you can also check out New Game Plus uh, on our website. And you, we're, we're learning Japanese. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. I forgot to study. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. This is going to be fun. We're going to get punished. Okay, so that'll be fun, and we'll see you next week. Bye.